The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Welcome, this is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, Ascent-Dental-Solutions, with a focus on knowledge, training, education, and development. This is, I believe, our 21st podcast, and I'm excited with our guest, Mr. Craig Schweitzer from Schweitzer Construction. Most of the listeners here are associated with healthcare and dentistry in particular, and this particular podcast is about how do we open up a new office? How do we design that office? How do we take an existing dental office and renovate it? Over my 34 years of practicing dentistry and still practicing dentistry to this point, the physical structure, the infrastructure is so critical to the success of our profession because not only does it make our life easier, not only does it make us proud of our profession, but it creates an environment that our patients feel comfortable and thoroughly enjoy. With uh, no further ado, my guest today is Mr. Craig Schweitzer. Craig, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your business and uh, how long you've been doing dental and medical uh, construction and uh, renovations? Thank you, Dr. Coughlin. Yes, again, Craig Schweitzer from Schweitzer Construction. Uh, We're general contractors who focus on building, designing and building and renovating dental facilities. Uh, we started specializing in dental uh, at the very same year that you started your practice, Dr. Coughlin. Yours was the first office we did, and that was, uh, I believe, 34 years ago. And uh, since then, we've probably done at least 200 complete offices. Uh, I found, after doing the first one, I found it to be an exciting uh, construction project because the 
dental offices are probably the, some of the most complex facilities uh, that you can build. And those tiny little 120 square foot operatories, there's more infrastructure than in a typical operating room. Uh, each has specific mechanical requirements, uh, the plumbing, the electrical, the mechanical, uh, the structural. There's just quite a bit that goes into these. And, uh, and certainly things have changed in the past 30-some years, but still basically they are the same. Uh, and I found it just fascinating to learn, to keep up with, and to constantly try to improve uh, our model and our design. Uh, Mr. Schweitzer, in my opinion, I didn't know that there even existed uh, contractors who specialized in particular uh, dental facilities. I I'm not aware of anyone who's built out, renovated, and started as de novo more dental practice than you, particularly in uh, the New England area. You said you've done over 200 facilities. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is, doctor. And um, again, it's a, it's a niche. Um, pro it's, it's a niche that we fit into. I mean, everybody's, this is the age of specialization. Uh, a lot of contractors do additions, residential additions, a lot do new houses, a lot do industrial. Um, we've just found medical and specifically dental to be what works well with us. And it's, we found that it's work that, that's extremely demanding. Um, the customers certainly don't want a second rate product. There's, there's, uh, there's no room for, for anything but perfection. And it seems like we really, we really fit the bill for that. Um, and again, it's, we, with every design, we, we just try to make it a little better than the one before. We try to figure out new ways to do, say, uh, uh, gaseous sedation properly, how to streamline the, the office, how to make it licensing for the doctor easier, how to make the design more efficient. And how to try to, and, and today more than ever, how to try to keep a competitive price package together and, uh, and make the patient, the ultimate end user, comfortable with the facility. I mean, that's, that's in, what we try to do. In, in full disclosure to our audience, uh, in 1983, I met Mr. Schweitzer. At that time, I had purchased a practice from uh, an older group. Uh, and their practice was a beautiful practice, but it was in great need of renovation and update. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to look for. And fortunately, our cross, our paths crossed. And just a, a little story about Mr. Schweitzer and his business. He realized that I was financially distraught. I was also clinically distraught just starting out my profession. But at that time, I could not afford to close my business down to do the renovation. He came up with a suggestion that his crew would come in from 11 p.m. till 6 a.m. in the morning and over a period of eight weeks took approximately a 2,500 square foot facility and completely renovated it to a state-of-the-art facility that really got my practice and my career off the ground without ever having for me to close that practice down. Uh, from that time on, Mr. Schweitzer has 
been completely involved with over 18 of my practices over 34 years, and that's from start to finish. If you were to talk to the groups of dentists thinking about starting their own practice with a brand new facility or renovating their existing facility, as a general rule, what would you say the time frame from uh, the first time you walk into the practice and actually the plans are agreed upon, you have a direction, what would you say your average time uh, for completion of the project? Well, again, that depends. The, a typical new practice, um, in other words, to build uh, a, a totally new practice versus renovate a practice which will be seeing patients during the renovation. A typical new project takes about three months. That's after the plans are generated. And what what that typically involves is typically the first step is most dental offices seem to be on the ground floor. Most commercial buildings have a concrete floor. And quite a bit of the infrastructure, quite a bit of the piping has to be below grade. So the first step in a, in a renovation like that for a, a total reno, uh, for a totally new office would be to saw cut the concrete floor, excavate, do all of the underground electrical and plumbing, uh, which is quite a messy job as you can imagine. Uh, then the pipes get buried, backfilled, inspected, uh, the framing gets created, all of the special support work, all of the um, wiring and plumbing. And again, that special wiring, you, you have to use a certain type of wiring, hospital-grade wiring, a certain type of piping, run a certain way. And the supports are, of course, very interesting, uh, very uh, very special and uh, strong to sturdy. And everything has to be put in precisely the right spot to accommodate the ultimate installation of the medical equipment. So all of that takes time. And, of course, there's... Uh, various inspections along the way. Uh, we're, we're in Massachusetts, which is called a control construction state, which means an architect gets hired. He does uh, special paperwork, and he also does inspections. But the um, municipal building inspector, the plumbing inspector, the electrical inspector also checks the work at various stages. And finally, you do the finishes and, of course, the decorating. So all of that typically takes three months. Now, if we also renovate uh, facilities that are in operation during the whole process, and that becomes a little more logistically challenging, uh, what we would do is typically start with a, a space that's vacant or uh, plunder a space to begin with and, and do one to two rooms at a time turn it over, and then do the next one to two rooms and keep doing that. And, of course, those can take up to six months. But it's very important to make sure that you minimize uh, the the downtime for the practice. A lot of doctors will shut down for two weeks, and that's when we do the lion's share of the work. But a good part of it is night work and off-hours work uh, in doing an existing practice. And again, it's just it just takes a lot of logistical planning, and we do that all the time too. Uh, Craig, you mentioned that your uh, primary place of business, your your shop per se, your your company is located in Massachusetts, but you've done uh, renovations and build outs in Connecticut, New York, uh, all over New England. Is that correct? 
Yes, we we do. We we try. We found lately to try to stay within a seventy mile radius, say, of the Springfield area. Uh, we also have other uh, construction companies that we we refer to, and we love to help doctors get started uh, in any geographical location. Uh, we constantly uh, take questions and and assist doctors. Uh, who are who are looking to build in Maine or or New Jersey or other areas where we really don't where we really don't have a, a foothold, but we found that we really have to keep ourselves to within fifty sixty mile radius because of the specialty subs that we use. It's not like we can import a finished product. Um, for example, our our plumber is a, a level three Medgas certified installer which in itself takes quite a bit of training, and, and there's not a whole lot of con- plumbing contractors who have that qualification. Um, our framing is pretty special. Our wiring is pretty special. So we have kind of lately kept ourselves to a little closer geographic area. But that being said, we love to work with new customers, and I'd, I'd love to help new practices uh, get their their foot going and, and and build themselves up also and it isn't correct you're you're open to consultations uh in other words for our our listeners here who might be out of this geographic area sometimes you have a contractor that you you like you trust but may not have the expertise in medical or dental and i'm sure your consulting part of the business you'd be happy to reach out and and add some uh of your 34 years of expertise in the dental business is that correct yes it is and absolutely it seems as though once you've once we've been at it for 20 or so years we we get um we feel as though it's nice to help other people get a start. Quite frankly, um, we don't. We we no longer. Our, our our emphasis is no longer putting bread and butter on the table, but help others to try to make a successful practice and to help others um, through what could be a pretty difficult project otherwise. And I and I wouldn't hesitate to uh, ask. I wouldn't hesitate to answer any questions anybody has. Uh, regarding a new practice or a design or even a comfort level with a uh, contractor they've previously selected. So, uh, again, actually let me insert my phone number, which would be 413-626-1498. Again, that would be 413-626-1498. Or my email, which is craig at Schweitzer construction.com C-R-A-I-G at S-W-E-I-T-Z-E-R construction spelt out dot com and our website of course is uh, SchweitzerConstruction.com but we would love to help anybody. It just it feels like the right thing to do to help others get started. Now, Craig, I understand your business has grown. It's become quite the family affair now. Am I correct? You're more than correct. Actually, uh, I have two sons who are working with me now, and uh, my wife is actually the office manager. Uh, when I drew up the papers, I gave her 1%. I had no idea that that 1% was a majority shareholder, <laughs> but she's she's certainly taken the ball and run, and uh, 
as you can imagine, our Thanksgiving table talk is uh, it might be a little different than everybody else's. Okay. Uh, and, and what are your sons? I've had the pleasure of not only meeting them, but I've also worked with them. And they recently completed a project uh, in the Springfield, Massachusetts area and also in the Northampton, Massachusetts area. And uh, I have to tell you, not only were they professional and well-behaved, but when they said they were going to get something done, they did get it done. When they said they were going to be there, they were there. And when you gave me a budget, you stayed within the budget. And for our listeners dealing with contractors on a day-to-day basis, when you can find somebody that says something, means it, and comes through with it, then you've got a special relationship. And uh, that relationship with Schweitzer Construction, uh, I could tell you doing these podcasts for some time now, I only put and promote people that I BLT. I believe them. I like them. I trust them. I've used them. And I have no hesitation of referring them. Uh, their character and their work ethic is beyond reproach, in my opinion. And uh, if I was to ask you, over the 34 years, I like to call these some Kevin Coughlin tips. Between Mr. Schweitzer and myself, I'd like to say that we're responsible for suggesting strongly to you listeners, put a small closet in your operatory down by the patient's feet, one on the right side, one on the left, because as we all know, we never have enough storage. The other thing that was your suggestion is rear entry. The operatories have two doors on them, one for the dental assistant, one for the doctor, so you never have to move Mr. and Mrs. Smith in the dental chair, and a rear entry so you never have to be disturbed to restock uh, your tubs and trays in the operatory. Are there some other tips that you've seen over the years with your over 200 dental practices that you found that has worked very well uh, in the design uh, and implementation stages? Well, that's a good point, Dr. Coughlin. One thing, well, first of all, one thing that hasn't changed is the operatories, again, for general dentistry, all seem to be 10 feet wide and 11 feet long. I mean, I've, I've been in, I don't know how many offices, and they squeeze a dental chair into a tiny little closet or an odd-shaped room, and it's just impossible to be an, effic- an efficient and effective professional uh, working in a patient unless the space is exactly as it should be. And that's one thing that uh, Dr. Coughlin's practices, they are all, the operatories are all basically the same, and they have to be for efficiency. And to be able to do any of the, um, any of the particular uh, procedures that they do, uh, there should be a sink on each side, 10 feet by 12 feet, the chair should be almost in the center, maybe a little bit favored to the left side, to the assistant side, so the doctor has a little more room to work at the right. The foot of the chair should be facing, should be at a window, so the patient can actually look out the window uh, and be a little more comfortable through the whole procedure. Again, there should be two doors. We typically put a three-foot door on the right-hand side for the doctor and a three-foot door will allow a wheelchair to fit in, uh, so handicap accessibility is no issue. A smaller door, usually about a two-foot, four-inch door on the left side, on the assistant side, 
again, keeps the assistant from having to cross behind or ahead of the patient. Uh, the patient. In a rear delivery or a 12 o'clock cabinet is also seems to be very efficient. One thing we have noticed in um, the, the, the building codes as well as equipment, the building codes seem to drive a good part of this too. And we've recently found uh, Connecticut has changed their interpretation of the ADA regulations within the last year. And it's it's actually pretty earth-shaking what, what they came up with, and that's that you have to have two feet clearance to the doorknob side of a door on the pole side. And we're trying to, we're struggling right now to design these operatories to accommodate that, and we found a couple of solutions at work. But the point I'm making is it's not really a static as much as some of the design features should remain the same, there are external external forces sometimes that make you have to rethink and make sure that your design is still current, make sure it meets all new building codes. And we're, like I say, that that's one of our challenges right now is to meet this new ADA enforcement in Connecticut, and, and we're, we're making headway on that, too. Mr. Schweitzer, as our time is coming to a close, generally, would you say between 2,500 and 3,200 square foot is perhaps an ideal size for uh, a dental office? Uh, I know it's not one size fits all, but in your 34 years of experience, is that a, a, a pretty safe bet? Uh, between 2,500 and 3,200 square feet? Yes, it, it is, really. And, and, of course, it depends on, on your plans for the future. But a, a typical uh, dental facility, 25, 22 to 2,500 square feet, supports five operatories and the, the, uh, the required supporting space, which would be, of course, a reception or waiting room, business office, a financial consulting office, and a private office, those should be clustered together. And then the clinical area should have typically five operatories uh, with a lab and a steri nearby, an employee lounge toward the rear, and a storage area, and, of course, a mechanical room. And those seem to fit into a 2,500 square feet. Now, that's, that's where some practices and some practice plans change. There's some doctors that want to, when they, as they grow the practice, some like to open a satellite office after five operatories, and that seems to be one typical uh, business plan, and others seem to hire more doctors and build more operatories in the same space, and that can build, you know, the three to 5,000 square foot. That can drive that that um, size office. Again, the, those are the two different models, and for a five-op practice, uh, 2,500 square feet is an ideal size. And after 34 years uh, of doing this and over 200 dental practices that you've built out, just give the, the audience and the listeners, is an, an average square foot, what can our listeners expect? And I know this varies depending on design and architectural plans and finished material, but ballparking it, what can our, our listeners expect to be in the range as a, a square foot dollar for a build-out? Well, typically, assuming if de if demo, if the space already exists ready for a build-out, you can usually plan on between 75, more like $80 a square foot for a basic 
facility on up to 125, 135, 140 dollars a square foot for a space to be fit up ready for dental equipment. And again, that's that the the variables are are there med gases, are there fire protection sprinklers, uh, is it a concrete slab on grade, all different uh, building, uh, all of the different building types affect the cost. But I would say a, an average range is between eighty to one hundred and forty dollars a square foot. Well, Mr. Schweitzer, thank you so much. And before we close, can uh, our listeners get that website from you one more time? We're again, SchweitzerConstruction.com. S-W-E-I-T-Z-E-R Construction.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to tonight's podcast. As always, before I close, I want to thank Mr. Doug Foresta. He has produced and done all of my podcasts, and without his expertise and knowledge, this wouldn't happen. Uh, Thank you both so much, and I look forward to our next podcast in the very near future. Mr. Schweitzer, thank you for taking the time, and thank you personally for doing such an outstanding job for uh, the 14 dental practices that we currently have and the other practices that you've done in the past and the ones you'll be doing in the future. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you to my listeners. You've been listening to Ascent Radio. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin at Ascent-Dental-Solutions. Thank you very much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.